Spotify. Hello. Thank you for choosing the Lackadaisical Libricubicularist Podcast. Without further delay, here is your host, Jordan Maywood. Hello! Welcome to the Librocube. My name is Jordan Maywood, and I am the Lackadaisical Librocubicularist. Today within the Librocube is TV Tuesday. I went high, and then I went low when I said that. TV Tuesday. Yeah, I like it. And thus, I did it again. Something I like to say at the top of every show to cover my ass like so much underwear is that there will be spoilers. Folks, please. I'm saying there's spoilers, and I goddamn mean it. Probably. Sometimes I don't spoil spoil things, to be honest with you, but don't take me saying that as a reason to ignore the spoiler warning. Please, I beg of you. Another thing I beg of you is that if you like what you hear, the only payment I ask is a million dollars. Oh, that is ridiculous. The only payment I ask is perhaps you pass the podcast on to a friend. Perhaps you rate, subscribe, and comment in iTunes, because that is what helps others find the podcasts. Thank you for those who have done so. Very, very, very much appreciated. That will, of course, take us into the last piece of podcast-related business. That is today's sponsor. Today's sponsor is the SG-1 brand toilet paper. Once again, today's sponsor is SG-1 brand toilet paper, which of course stands for soft, gentle, and only one square needed. Wow. Bit of a different episode, only in that I haven't done it yet. And that is brought back an entire lot of episodes from Stargate SG-1, Season 4 specifically. I felt like this was the sort of perfect opportunity to do so for many, many reasons. Uh, why don't I run them down for you? <laughs> yeah, brought it up? No, I'll run them down. Uh, I had the uh, pleasure of meeting Mr. Richard Dean Anderson, star of the program, at Fan Expo a couple of weeks ago, so reason number one right there. Uh, how about I just tell my little tidbit story of him now that I can always bring up whenever his name comes up, and that is that when I got him to sign my Nerd Cane, which if you Google for yourself Nerd Cane Adventures, you can see what I mean, he said, oh, did you make this? And... To which I, of course, replied, yeah, I MacGyvered it, which got a smile and a bit of a laugh. So I enjoy that story. Thus I tell it. That's reason number one. Reason number two is we're just sort of about to ramp up into uh, the new TV programs coming on in the fall. So there's not a lot on right now. (laughs) So I figured, hey... Since I always have a TV show on the go, on DVD, and it just so happens to be this one, why not bring back a shit ton of episodes and talk about them? Hey, uh, reason the third, I haven't brought back too many episodes, despite the fact that I am now in season four, almost in season five. 
Reason 5 is the first episode I'm going to talk about, I believe, uh, yeah, yeah, it's so far up to Season 4 and change of Stargate SG-1 has been my favorite episode, so why not? Perfect opportunity to bring it back and all preceding episodes after until I run out of time to talk. That's the plan. Lovely! So, the first episode I've brought back is called Window of Opportunity. When I, as I quite often do, will just watch a shit ton of episodes and then go on Wikipedia and sort of pick and choose the, from the description of the plot of that episode things that sort of stand out and things that I recall. Uh, I kind of like doing that way. It seems to work in the sense that while watching, I don't have to take notes, and then afterwards I can take them all at once. So, that is what I've done. Uh, the reason I say that is because the first sort of thing I saw regarding this episode is that apparently it is a quote-unquote fan favorite, and <laughs> I thought that was funny because it was my favorite episode, and then I read that, and I'm like, hey, I'm a fan, this is my favorite, this makes total logical sense, and I like it. If you want to, and I quite often do, boil down the description of this episode into a sort of very, very brief synopsis. I think how I would do it would be Stargate SG-1 plus the movie Groundhog Day equals Window of Opportunity, which is the title of this episode. So, uh, that's it. The end. No, no, no. <laughs> it was, I believe, probably a fan favorite because it's amping up a little bit the comedy, which I think is something that science fiction writers do not unfortunately do enough, and whenever they do do, <laughs> I said do-do, always works out very, very well, so I wish it happened more often. The story involves how uh, Colonel O'Neill, played by Mr. Richard D. Anderson, the aforementioned, and uh, Tiuk, the token alien, <laughs> or perhaps token black man, too, now that you think about it. Hmm, it's not very nice. Anyways, they are stuck in a time loop. Now, this is something that has been done in other things, including, of course, Groundhog Day. But uh, they did it well, so taking an idea that has been done before and then doing it again, but doing it very well, uh, I think that's acceptable. Which, as I sort of say that, as I get into these episodes, you will see that this happens very, very often in this show. And in some cases, it's things from this show being stolen by others. Stolen is perhaps a strong word. Borrowed ideas from without giving credit for. <laughs> yeah, stolen. Whatever. If you are unfamiliar with the television show Stargate, it is a, would you call it a spin-off of the movie with Kurt Russell, where there is a gate uh -huh, that lets you travel among the stars. Uh-huh. Hmm. So, kind of like a little Star Trek-y, although rather than traveling by ship and in the future, they travel to new and exciting places via the Stargate, and it's in the present, although I guess past, in the, in the 90s. So, uh, good idea, and very, very successful as a television show. In fact, quite a few television shows, because this spun off uh, Stargate Atlantis, as well as another one that I can't remember the name, which uh, I do not currently have on DVD, but I wanted to start with the OG, the original, and see if I liked it, and so far I do. So perhaps 
we'll move into those at some point. Uh, this episode involves how they travel to a planet where the sun was acting up. And uh, on this planet is a dude who seemed friendly. However, we learned that he is actually trying to use a sort of time device thing of some sort to fix his planet and bring it back to its sort of former glory. However, the device he is using is broken, in fact has never worked properly, so all it has done is kept him and now pulled Colonel O'Neill and Tuke into this time loop that they're repeating over and over and over again. Very, very reminiscent of Groundhog Day, which is friggin' awesome. That's one of my favorite movies of all time, so obviously like this. It starts out kind of how you think it would, where they're where they're just uh, having to explain themselves over and over again to everybody else that they're stuck in this loop and working on ways to get out of it, uh, sci-fi-like. Then someone points out sort of along the lines of Groundhog Day that, hey, don't you find it interesting the fact that you could relive this day and do whatever the hell you want with no consequences? They kind of give the old eyebrow, eyebrow raise. Oh yeah, never realized that. Then they get up to some friggin' hijinks, which are hilarious. Like uh, playing, shooting golf balls through the Stargate. Uh-huh, obviously, why wouldn't you do that? At one point, uh, Colonel O'Neill takes, uh, I don't want to say takes advantage, but uh, plants a little kiss on the uh, lips of the old, uh, what's her name, didn't write it down. The girl of the team. Shit, what's her name? I can't remember. Anyways, uh, all in all, very, very good episode. And I think something good about this one, too, is it can stand alone. You don't need to really know what's happening in this whole sort of universe to enjoy it. So, if you were thinking of biting the old bullet and checking out the show, why not? You could, potentially, just start with this, this episode right in the middle of Season 4. And then you would see the potential the show has. Uh, I will leave that behind with saying uh, 5 out of 5 for that episode, definitely. I'm probably not going to rate these episodes as I go along, but that one just deserves its 5 out of 5. Next episode is called Watergate. Hmm. And this is not the hotel. This is um, a Stargate that opens underwater, like that. This one not only borrowed a story, sort of plot point, but also borrowed a character or rather an actor in the form of Marina Sirtis, who you may know as Counselor Deanna Troy from Star Trek. Counselor Deanna Troy, who just so happened I had the pleasure of briefly meeting and getting her autograph on the same said nerd cane as Richard Dean Anderson. Hey, I just realized that fact. Pretty cool. Beans. Uh, she played a sort of Russian agent working for... I guess you would say a, a similar body to SG-1, who had uh, unleashed their own Stargate, and it was stuck being open. That's not good. Uh, stuck being open, and it was open underwater on another planet. Underwater, and this is where they sort of borrowed from another story, where the water, or perhaps, I don't know if this is more accurate, within the water is sort of a sentient being made out of the water. Which, if you've ever seen the movie... The Abyss, very, very good, highly recommend, probably go 5 out of 5 for that movie, that's basically what that movie's about, is sentient water, <laughs> cool idea, 
Uh, and that is what this episode is about. The Russian Stargate team, as they do, being sort of scientists, explorers, and stealers of technology from other peoples, uh, decides to take a sample of the water back to Earth. As you do, you're going to take samples. It's part of science. However, because this is sentient water and the sample that they have taken is in fact alive, uh, it doesn't like being cut off from the rest of its fellows. So it is upset and kills people and thing goes awry, horribly awry, you might say. So the Russians are forced to call in the SG-1 team for assistance and uh, everything works out in the end. That sort of plot point was also in an episode of, I believe, Star Trek The Next Generation, where they took a sample of, like, a space cloud gases of some sort. Within the gases was a being that was then cut off from the rest, so uh, nobody was happy about that, and they attacked the ship. Eventually they learned of this, let them go. They all lived happily ever after. The exact same story as what happened there. Yeah. The next episode, I'm going to fly through these because I have a lot of them, I should perhaps mention, is called The First Ones. Ooh. Not 100% certain off the top of my head the relationship between these beings called the Unas and the Gaul. Science fiction names are funny like that quite often. Unas and Gaul. Gaul? Uh, what I thought they were saying in the first four episodes were ghouls, but uh, have since learned that my pronunciation of the bad guys' names in this television series was incorrect. It's not ghouls. Maybe that's sort of a slang term for them, but they're actually called gaouls. Aha. Uh -huh. You understand my confusion. The unas, I kind of feel like, and I don't know if this is accurate, are sort of a primordial version of them. Uh, I don't know if that's accurate or if I'm just making that up in my head to be honest with you. So take it with a grain of salt. They kind of have a uh, reptilian kind of caveman-y tribal feel to them in this instance and it's sort of the very first versions of them. These guys are like super super strong and regenerative, I do believe, as well. Just kind of cool aliens. As far as aliens go, they are cool ones. This episode involved how one of them, in a sort of tribal ritual, kidnapped and captured Daniel Jackson. Daniel Jackson is kind of the scientific-y, archaeologically nerd of the group. So he was captured and then taken along by one of these Unas characters for a sort of tribally reason that in order to become a man within this group of beings, you apparently need to kidnap and kill something. I don't know if it has to be a human, that's kind of strange as humans have not been on this planet before, but that's the deal. Uh, along the way, as they're traveling back to the Unas's uh, home cave, Daniel Jackson sort of befriends him. It's got a bit of a, and I think they even brought it up now that I think about it, the uh, mouse pulling out the thorn from the foot of the lion story. That even happens at one, one point. They sort of come to respect one another, and the fact that this Unas is going to kill 
Daniel Jackson is not good and he's sort of feeling that it is going to be hard to do as they grow in knowledge of one another. Mm -hmm. This had a bit of a feel of two things for me. There was a movie called uh, Enemy Mine in which I think it was Dennis Quaid is stranded on a planet with an enemy that he is fighting, a sort of reptilian enemy that kind of looked like this guy. And they, through much hardship, become closer to one another and uh, start to grow a sort of respect among each other, despite originally being enemies. So, exactly what happened in this? There's also an episode of Star Trek The Next Generation in which Picard is beamed down to a planet with an alien, an alien who uh, speaks in only metaphors? Yeah, yeah, that's what it was. So, at first, thinking he is an enemy and an enemy alone, but eventually they have to sort of work together in order to conquer a common goal and gain a admiration and respect among one another. So, it's a story that's been done before, obviously, but uh, they, did it, they did it okay. So, what the hell? Give them that, why don't you? I don't really have much time. How about I just try to squeak this last one in with not much detail. It was called Scorched Earth. This is an episode in which the SG-1 team has found a planet for a group of aliens. Friendly aliens, because they're not all mean warlike bastards. Uh, this planet is very, very special to the needs of this aliens. They cannot basically live anywhere else because the science reasons. <laughs> uh, I, I like that you can just put in science re reasons, or perhaps you could say magic. Anyways, UV rays um, not only greatly affect them in the sense that it can give them cancer, but also blind them. So, not good. SG-1 gives them this planet that was thought uninhabited. However, Basically, like, as soon as they move in, they learn that the planet is actually about to be terraformed by another alien race. An alien race who is tens of thousands of years old has been in sort of a deep sleep. Um, so then the choice is made between this new sort of, uh, I don't want to say primitive group, but sort of medieval almost group and this uh, very advanced species. So who should get the planet? Hmm. Decisions, decisions, you might say. I will say, as I do, since I'm done talking for now, until I come back in eight hours, that, um, oh my love. Love you, Darius. I'm a fool to do your dirty working, working, working. And we're back. We are back. We are back. We are back. We are back! Back! We are back! Back in action! Hello again! Welcome back! To me, you don't really need a welcome back so much just because it has been seconds since I have stopped talking from your perspective. That is how time and recording things previously works. Aha! Uh -huh. Indeed a room. Uh, I'm going to jump right back in for the reason that I want to 
rapid-firely get these episodes in. Ugh, why am I stopping? <laughs> Suddenly stopping on the highway. That is not good. Can do a little off-roading? Can you hear this? Can you hear that? A little, little off-roading in the old uh, TARDIS car? TARDIS car because it is blue, and I mess with the wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey bits, which allows me to record TV2 Day episodes on a goddamn Wednesday in the real world. Haha, <laughs> behind-the-scenes action there for you. Actually, it is Wednesday. However, in the Liberal Cube, Tuesday, TV Tuesday. TV Tuesday, in which we're talking the Stargate, specifically SG-1, specifically Season 4, specifically a whole whack load of episodes, including one called Beneath the Surface. This one's very, very interesting for a couple of reasons. One, that this is a good show, this is a good episode, and I enjoyed it. There's that. Lots of science fiction-y stuff in this. However, what was sort of most interesting for me, and uh, I even did a little research and digging into this one, is that this particular episode was pretty much blatantly copied um, exactly sort of the storyline by uh, the television show Star Trek Voyager. What happens is... The SG-1 team and the crew of the Starship Voyager are both kidnapped. <laughs> I'm going to see if I can talk about both these episodes at the same time. I believe I can. So, both crews are kidnapped. Oh, shit. That sucks. Both crews then have their memories wiped. Oh, man, it keeps getting worse and worse. Then, alien races use this wiping, not so much wiping of memory as wiping and then reinstalling, reinstalling, and then installing false memories. Yeah, yeah. So that happens to both crews. The false memories are so that they believe they are where they belong, and where they belong is working for these alien races. So that is exactly the storyline of both of these shows, of both of these episodes that were uh, one filmed one year apart. So Beneath the Surface, Stargate SG-1, was filmed in 2000, and the episode of Star Trek Voyager that has the exact same storyline was a two-parter, in fact, filmed in 2001. I will say, and I kind of don't like to say it, that I think Voyager may have done it better than... Stargate. Oh, stole it and improved upon it. Is it still as, it's not as bad, or is it worse, or what's your opinion on that? I would love to hear from you. So, when I say moving on quickly, I mean moving on quickly, moving on to the next episode called Point of No Return, which is a good title, yeah, Tense, which uh, whenever I hear tense reminds me of one of my favorite dumb jokes, which is a man goes to his psychiatrist and says, Doctor, you gotta help me. I don't know why he talks like that, but he does. Doctor, I don't know what to do. I'm in a real bind. I keep having this recurring dream. First, I dream that I'm a teepee. Then, I dream that I'm a wigwam. Wigwam, teepee. Wigwam, 
TP back and forth all night. I can't get any sleep, he says. I, I says to him, uh, to which the doctor replies, Well, uh, obviously you're too tense. Too tense. Uh. Oh boy, that's a good one. Do the voices help or hinder that joke? I do not know. I do not know. This one I liked, and sort of... This one I liked because, again, I think something that science fiction in general should do more often, and I have a feeling Stargate will sort of delve into from time to time, is throwing a little uh, little humor in there, which is, a, I think, a smart idea, not just for the reason that, hey, a show that is funny is a show that is good, in my opinion, but for the reason that when you are talking sort of hard science fiction, it can get a little dry, and it could get a little, I could see from certain people's perspectives, a little on the boring side. However, interspersed with that a not 100% of the time taking it 100% seriously, I think is a good idea, and it's going to help the writers from the point of view that they won't always be sort of bored of the same old, same old. So do it more often, please, and thank you. Uh, the comedy in this episode took the part of a dude who sort of contacted kind of, sort of, kind of, sort of the SG-1 team, which is supposed to be a covert operation that nobody on Earth knows about, except the, the high-up muckety-mucks in the government and what have you. However, this guy's like, yeah, I know all about you. Does the Adam Corolla self-satisfied sniff there? He didn't, but would have been good if he did. And uh, so they kind of have to investigate, because it's possible they have a leak. Uh, it goes on from there that they learn that this dude, who is at first believed to be a crazy person, I think it's kind of hard to... Does he think he's an alien? Either he thinks he's an alien, or has been abducted by aliens, or knows of aliens, and just totally... Uh, sort of brimming with conspiracy theories of all different types. Kind of, if you ever saw the movie, conspiracy theory, like Mel Gibson's character in that, sort of sort of the characters in that vein, played by an actor, which the name curse has caused me to forget his name and not write it down. Uh, an actor who I think you would recognize. Good, good resource for me for things like this uh, is Wikipedia, which is not surprising that it's a good resource. However, for TV episodes, they will quite often, in fact, very quite often, have the titles of the episodes, sort of their air date, and a brief description, which is all I need to sort of trigger my memories and talk about each episode. So, thank you to Wikipedia. I should make a donation to them, which, how about, we'll count this plug that you can, if you use that resource, make a donation to them. Every little bit helps, and uh, hey, why not help with the accumulation of human knowledge? It is a lofty goal that we can all be a part of. Hmm. Nice. Uh, that episode, just before I move on, which I'm going to do right now, sort of ended with the knowledge that, that was a bit of a spoiler, he actually was an alien. <laughs> so, again, amusement for me for that fact. And we also learned that members of his members of his alien race were sort of hiding out on Earth, 
not for uh, nefarious means, just for the reason of hiding from, I guess, bad other aliens and stuff. So, kind of left it open for the potential of this character and these aliens to come back in future episodes, which I wouldn't mind, because I enjoyed this one. So, hey, there you go. Next episode is called Tangent. Tangent! The SG-1 team, and I guess the, by association, the American government, has decided to meld the uh, Air Force's technologies with that of the Gauld in a supersonic fighting jet thing, amalgamation, space. Uh, uh, it doesn't go well. <laughs> Which is, is, again, it kind of amuses me that that happened. The fact that they were supposed to have just sort of a, a I don't want to say a leisurely test flight, but they were supposed to just kind of fly overhead. And when I say they, I mean Captain O'Neill as well as Duke. It's quite often those two in the thick of things, which is, is nice. They're a good team together. Duke being sort of the straight man and Captain O'Neill having a bit of the crazy some humorous lines every once in a while, which um, are always delivered with that sort of smirk that I so much appreciate. So yeah, they're, they're, they're doing their test flight, suddenly lose control of the ship. Now that's bad. What makes it even worse is that the ship is pointed upwards and just continues on and continues on and continues on until eventually they are... Um, basically orbiting Jupiter. <laughs> so when you're supposed to do just a, a brief little test flight of your ship and end up orbiting Jupiter, it is not good. Your technology amalgamation is not a good idea. Now, there's some other things that kind of got in the way of this I won't get into, so as not to spoil it, because I do not have time. Sometimes the combination of not having time makes it easier for me to not spoil things, so I don't. Hey, why not let two birds and one stone not kill a, kill a bird? Indeed. Uh, from that point on, they managed to stop the ship, so that's good, but then there's the whole, you know, not enough air, and we'll run out and eventually die. Uh, Tiuk has the ability to sort of shut down his body, basically, so that helps. <laughs> this, again, adding that sort of little bit of comedy, when help eventually arrives, which is a spoiler, however, me saying that they did not, in fact, die is not really spoiling. A show that is in Season 4, when it goes to Season 10, uh, when help eventually arrives, Captain O'Neill is sort of loopy from not having enough oxygen, which is actually sort of a medical thing that I have heard of. So uh, scientific accuracy in my sci-fi I do love, but uh, it caused him to just be sort of ridiculous and say stupid things, which was amusing to me, hence I mention it here. Uh, lastly, and unfortunately leastly, is an episode called The Curse, uh, strangely enough, and this is strange, I think, Stargate, as in sort of the original based on the movie, will quite often delve into sort of an Egyptian theme. And for me, a lot of these episodes that focus a lot on this Egyptian-ness 
seem to be not as good as other ones. Hmm. So, it's kind of a shame. Maybe it's just I don't have a huge interest in Egyptian things, which I guess is true. I don't know, they just don't seem to have the pull or the interest that the non-Egyptian focusing episodes do. Uh, this was one of them. Oh, uh, you know what another thing is that sort of loses me quite often is when uh, Daniel Jackson, who I mentioned this morning, is kind of, uh, I guess, sort of the nerd, kind of, sort of, kind of, sort of, of the group. He has glasses on, so that makes a nerd, right? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I have glasses on, therefore, um, nerd. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh-huh. He's sort of the archaeologist, Egyptologist... So, obviously heavily involved in this episode. However, quite often, his episodes will delve into his romantic um, interludes, let's call them. He will find himself in situations where he is with a guest star of the episode who will be a woman, and they will have sort of a blossoming romance. This has happened... Probably, are we nearing a dozen times at this point? Uh, I I may be exaggerating, but it's a lot. It's enough that I've noticed it. Let's let's say it that way. Uh, And that reminded me of a certain young Xander Harris. Xander Harris, who you may know from the television show Buffy, The Vampire Slayer. Uh, He was always in the same sort of predicament where... Uh, a guest appearance of a female would mean he would have a sort of romantic involvement with said female. Said female would then turn out to be a bad guy, a not nice person. Or, quite often, in the case of Xander, and actually, in the case of Daniel Jackson as well, uh, a non-human bad person who tries to kill them after tricking them into loving them. Oh, sadness. To be a sort of, I guess you could say, secondary character in a science fiction and fantasy program means that you are going to have romantic relationships with women who you should not be in romantic relationships with. It uh, happens with other things. It uh, happens in, I remember an episode of uh, Star Trek Voyager where Harry Kim had a relationship with a woman whose sort of biological makeup made it so he became addicted to being around her, for example. So, another sort of theme that we see quite often in these types of programs. Not necessarily a bad thing, not necessarily a good thing. I suppose their overuse can get tiresome. Hmm. Kind of a sad note we're going to end this one on, aren't we? Let's just, uh, rather than do that, go right back to the beginning and say... Oh, what was it called? Let me look at my notes. The episode Window of Opportunity, Stargate meets Groundhog Day is good. That will leave one final thing to say, and that is, of course, it is nice to be nice to the nice. Thank you for listening. This has been another edition of the Lackadaisical Libracubicle Wrist. We here in the Liberal Cube would love to hear from you. If for any reason you would like to contact us you can do so via the email address. 
www.mail.jordan at gmail.com And now I have a theory. I've got a theory that it's a demon, a dancing demon. Something isn't right there. I've got a theory. The best is yet to come and babe, won't it be fine? You think you've seen the sun, but you ain't seen it shine. Wait till the warm-up's underway. Wait till our lips have met. Wait till you see that sunshine day. You ain't seen nothing yet. The best is yet to come and be. Won't it be fine? The best is yet to come, come the day you're mine. Live long and prosper.